On today's show, is Jalen Brunson destined to follow his dad to join the Knicks now? And did the Mavs break the Jazz? We'll do that and some draft profiles and more on today's Like I'm Mavs. I'm Luka Lentich and this is Lockdown Mavericks I don't believe you shouldn't be here. Welcome, you're locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Maps your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. But the best way to help us grow is to subscribe and comment below. Let us know. Are you concerned about Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks now after they, they hired his dad away? Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's Bet Online where the game starts. And joining me, as always, my co host, contributor, writer at Mavs.com, the draft profile person, the one more thing king. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? So I had a great moment this morning. We're recording this on Sunday night. And um, great moment. So a few weeks ago was really the first time that. You know, decorum. The word decorum <laughs> has has been something like my ears has heard before. In your vernacular. Of, yeah. And so it's like, all right. Then we started hearing it a lot during the playoffs. We know the whole story from it. So this morning at church, I had to do some things on stage during service and I wore a hat. Mm. And so, not like a fancy church hat, right? Like. No, with, no, no. With We're not talking and feathers and like, no, yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to the Kentucky Derby with this one. <laughs> we, this was like just a, a dad hat. Now it did have like our church name on it, but I wore a hat. All right. Afterwards, an elderly gentleman, great guy, came up to me and said, "Saw you had that hat up there. I'm glad you described that it, you know, it was a church hat because we've got to be keeping some decorum." up there and i was like whoa decorum. <laughs> and ben, it's just like bench every, decorum pew, is there every, pew decorum ah. there's pew decorum at church right <laughs> just like there's bench decorum in the nba and i just it, i walked away i was like yeah yes sir you know whatever moved on and uh, i started laughing and i was like man this word i haven't you know like i never used this word now you're back to back two different settings but you know i, I just laughed it's good on today's show we're gonna get into the jalen brunson news about the rumor Ooh, love hearing that. Uh, about his deal with the Dallas Mavericks or another team. And also Rick Brunson getting hired away by the New York Knicks. Away. I don't I guess just getting hired in general. Yeah. And then the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder stepping down as the coach of the Jazz. We'll get into that. What does that mean for the Dallas Mavericks? And then we're going to do, be doing two draft profiles. We're going to have to do these uh, multiple players in one pod this year because of the amount of time, uh, which is a good reason because the Mavs made the Western Conference Finals. But we'll do Christian Coloco, the center from Arizona, as well as Jalen Williams, the center from, Air- from Arkansas. We'll break both of those guys down. But let's start with Jalen Brunson. According to Mark Stein, the Dallas Mavericks point guard is in line to receive a contract that, quote, meets or exceeds the four-year, $85 million deal that Fred Van Vliet signed with the Toronto Raptors. Isaac, is this about what you thought or more than you thought or less than you thought Jalen Brunson was going to get? About, yeah. I think it's about, I think after the playoffs, you know, I think before the playoffs, you're looking at like 18, something, you know, I think after the playoffs, I'm expecting something in that 22, 23 a year. I think if you start getting over, you know, 25, I'll be surprised. 
But I, I think I'm expecting something 22-23. If you start to look around the NBA and say, okay, who are the guys making about this money? It's about $21.5 million a year if you just if you just straight average it out. John Collins making 23 and a half. Mike Conley, 22 and a half. Malcolm Brogdon, 22 and a half. Vucevic, 22. Uh, Terry Rogier, 21 and a half, which is about exactly what Jalen Brunson would, would make in this. Gallinari, 21 and a half. Fred Van Vliet, that we mentioned before, 21 million a year. Uh, Buddy Heald, 21 million a year. Mikhail Bridges, 21 million a year. Like this is, he's, Brunson has at least played in the playoffs, showed that he's right in that range of of those guys. So this number does not surprise me at all, but now this is the first time we're hearing actual numbers about it and the actual like dollar sign that that could be for Jalen Brunson. So we're right along the the lines with that. The other news that came out about Jalen Brunson was that his dad, former NBA player and a very vocal, very vocal uh, advocate for Jalen Brunson, Rick Brunson, was hired by the New York Knicks to be an assistant coach under Tom Thibodeau. Isaac Harris, the Knicks have been linked to Jalen Brunson. They've been after Jalen Brunson. I even went on Locked On Knicks and did like a whole segment podcast about <laughs> <you> really? Jalen <laughs> Brunson. I have, yeah. Weeks ago, I went and did this. They've been talking about Jalen Brunson so much. I went on. Well, uh, they've had time to talk about free agency. So <laughs> I went on the Knicks subreddit a little while ago, and there was somebody mentioning <laughs> Brunson, and they said, can we stop just mentioning Jalen Brunson all the time on this sub? Like, even their fans are done with them talking about Jalen Brunson yeah. so much. Did this hiring of Rick Brunson concern you at all for the Mavericks' chances to re-sign him? I mean, a very small percentage. I mean, I think anytime you have a, a team that's interested in a player and you hire his dad to be an assistant coach, I, I think you are you would have to at least, like, your ears perk up a little bit. There's a lot of connections, though, with with – you know, Rick Brunson, Dad Brunson there going to New Leon York. Leon Rose, too. You know, Leon Rose, you know, he's been with Tibbs before on some coaching staff. So it's like you you understand it. Um, but still, I don't think it's nothing. I don't think it means JB's going to New York, but I don't think it's nothing either. I, I think I think New York knows, you know, knows what they're doing. It doesn't hurt. Let's just say that. It does, I don't think it hurts anything. So it, it like for the Knicks. Yeah, like you mentioned. Um, Rick Brunson worked with Tom Thibodeau in both Chicago and Minnesota as an assistant coach. Yeah. This is not something that just came out of the blue. They, they hired him and it's like, oh, dang, this random guy off the street got hired. So what was what were the Wizards doing to like hire people for Kevin Durant? Remember that? It's like yeah. I feel like they were hiring every cousin and, and person that was connected with Kevin Durant to try and get him there. This the is Mavs this just is not hired bad. a. Yeah, the Mavs just brought in a horse from Serbia, you know, looking forward to, you know, Jokic hasn't signed his his Supermax, so they're going to have some some new horses here. They hired yeah. Jokic's uh, chariot mechanic, like the guy that makes him chariots <laughs> that he can just ride in. But uh, also, would you want to play for the team that your dad was assistant coaching on? Like, is that was that a is that a positive even like <laughs> just for I, you? Well, I mean, it depends on your relationship, right? And right. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I don't begin to know what JB and his relationship with his dad is, but after that he, burn at, on on TNT with the inside guys that Jalen Brunson gave his dad when he said his dad's not even a player compared to him, yeah, uh, but, I don't know. Maybe maybe Rick wouldn't want Jalen Brunson to join. Him. If you if you do go back to some of his early NBA days a few years ago, he he credits his parents a lot, and he credits yeah, he his does. dad a lot for who he is as a person as a player. So, I. To be determined if it means anything. We don't know if this means anything. I tend to believe that it doesn't necessarily, and Jalen's still going to make the best choice for him uh, and himself. But 
hey, we'll we'll see. Like we'll, we'll see if it if it matters at all. If he signs the Knicks and it becomes a thing, then all of a sudden it'll become a thing, and we'll know then. But it's hard yeah. to know. It's hard to know until then about Jalen Brunson. Um, the other big news that came out over the weekend is that Quinn Snyder, the head coach of the Utah Jazz for eight years, is stepping down and not going to be the coach anymore. It didn't seem like a firing. It didn't seem like a you know the Jazz were like, hey, we're moving on. So you go ahead and save face and step down. Could be that. I think they would. I think the Jazz would have made that decision before right now. But Quinn Snyder is walking away, and Isaac Harris. Can we now definitively say the Mavericks took down, <laughs> took down, and sent the Utah Jazz packing, and uh, and put them in shambles? I mean, in one playoff, you know, run for the Mavs, they made the coach quit. They made a one <laughs> another organization release a statement, statement. for their fans. So <laughs> it's just after a, Game Seven. It's a tough, a tough, you know, recovery for both those guys. I, I don't know. I mean. Quinn stepping away. I love the Woj tweet saying that the Jazz will immediately start a coaching search. Well, no joke. I mean, of course. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh. They're not taking they a couple it. months off and, like, you know, just see how it goes. I, I'm The only question I have right now is, does this spice up the next three weeks before the draft? Does Donovan Mitchell become – do we keep getting update after update and does he become the, the hot name this offseason? So here's the thing from from, e, from ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski. He said, quote, In aftermath of Quinn Snyder's departure as Utah Jazz coach, all-star guard Donovan Mitchell is described as, quote, unsettled, unnerved, and wondering what it means for the franchise's future – unquote that you know that, that Quinn Snyder is now walking away he's 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 unsettled by it now what does that mean Don Donovan Mitchell is the star player for the Jazz he's you know the guy that could we we've been wondering could he try to make some kind of power move and make some kind of move where he leaves Utah goes somewhere else even goes to the Knicks that's but that's been a rumor before goes to um you know somewhere else and this is so fascinating this this whole thing because Andy Larson a, uh, a jazz you know beat writer was uh, was tweeting about this after the the Woj news came out and he said CAA which is the the you know agency that represents Donovan Mitchell and Adrian Wojnarowski like represents them both um so he he said like Donovan Mitchell had CAA represented Woj released a statement that he was surprised and disappointed about Quinn's departure and one of the candidates one of the coaching candidates that's in line for the job to get the you know to get Utah's job that came out afterwards was Johnny Bryant, who's also CAA represented. And like the whole thing about Donovan Mitchell was that he wanted to have say in the coach. He wanted to have say in, in who they hire next. And here they are with like this whole CAA three tiered thing of like, hey, can we just manipulate this whole process? Quinn steps down, all of a sudden there's a power vacuum. Can we fill that vacuum with with you know all CAA basically? Like, hey, we got Donovan Mitchell bringing the CAA guy. Woj can Woj can work this. He can do all this. Woj was the one that tweeted a couple days ago that hey, Quinn Snyder doesn't really know what he's gonna do. We'll see what happens. That like non-news story that was weird that he dropped. Now it's all kind of all kind of all making a little kind of all making a little sense over here. I mean, we're about to see how much power Donovan Mitchell has. Uh, I mean, I think that's the that's the real thing right now. We'll see that. We'll see uh, what happens with with them. There's a bunch of fallout. We'll talk about that in the coming days. But coming up, we got a couple draft profiles to get into. We will talk about Christian Coloco as well as Jalen Williams. They are two really, really interesting big men that we want to profile. So we'll do profiles on them next coming up. Before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place to check out the odds and lines in sports. This year's basketball championship, the NHL hockey, uh, conference finals, Major League Baseball, latest fight news, MMA, UFC, all that kind of stuff. They have live betting, esports. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. They have 
all kinds of finals odds. You can do the game by game. You can do the series odds. Right now, after the game two win, uh, ooh, Warriors minus 105, Celtics minus 115. It is neck and neck, and you can't really get good odds on either of them right now. For game three, the, Warrior, the Warriors are underdogs. Celtics, three and a half point favorite in game three now that they're at home. So they're really just riding whoever the home team is right now. So if you want to take advantage of that, check out all of those. Uh, they also have odds. This, you'll like this one. To make the playoffs next year, Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, minus 240. No, plus 190. You can get that on Bet Online. Check it all out. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Thanks for making Lockdown Maps your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast. Um, incredible stuff on the draft. Rafael Barlow, uh, Mavs draft. Richard Stamen, it's been on our show before, giving you an in depth look and all that stuff. Uh, free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. All right, Isaac, we want to talk about another news story before we get into our draft profiles. This may be a longer episode. So much stuff happened this weekend. Um, But the Mavericks assistant coach, Igor Kokoshkov, is moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, He is joining Steve Nash. Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets had gone after Igor when he became the coach, and he decided not to join that staff, and then he joined Jason Kidd's staff. So the Mavericks now... Uh, have a spot open for offensive coordinator. He had been the guy that had been running the Mavericks offense. And so now that spot is open for the Mavericks for like the the fourth time in four years, third time in three years that the Mavericks like offensive mm. guy is now gone uh, and moved on to a different job. But what were your thoughts about Igor and his departure from the Mavs? I thought it was interesting just because we know his relationship with Luca. And I mean, obviously, you know, I don't. I don't even want to say obviously. I mean, obviously, I was going to say obviously Luca's on board with it. But if if Igor wants to go somewhere, I mean, I don't think Luca's you know can stop him or anything like that. I I am kind of curious and just you know he he's not taking a head coaching job somewhere, so he's just moving assistant coach to another assistant coach place. You know, with Steve Nash, maybe there's a location thing I don't know about or family something or just different situation. So I mean, obviously Dragic was there in Brooklyn last year. Um, you know, he's not there right now, but. I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting, though. I, I thought that was one of the more interesting things over the weekend. Yeah, I saw a lot of people saying things like, oh, Cuban didn't want to pay out. You know, oh, why, how could the Mavericks let him go? That's not how this works necessarily, right? It's not always that, hey, you can just keep, yeah. you can just keep guys, because especially assistant coaches, they're looking for so many different things, right? Like, they, it depends on what they want in their career. Some guys are just okay with being an assistant or some guys just want to stick with, you know, maybe Sean Sweeney, who's been with Jason Kidd since the, his, the very beginning of his career. Maybe he's a guy that just wants that consistency to to work under a Jason Kidd, loves working with Jason Kidd and just wants that. Igor has, has bounced around a little bit and has gone to different places. Maybe he wants the opportunity to work with a Kevin Durant or maybe he got a better offer from, from the Nets as like more responsibilities and, and things like that. Like who knows what these guys actually all want. It's just, it can be so different, even more so than players, I think. And so that's a big deal when it comes to these assistant coaches and so I didn't see it as necessarily a huge deal I'm very interested to see how the Mavericks replace him and who they decide like do they bring somebody up like is it Dudley that that steps up is it somebody else that becomes that um, you know that offensive coordinator for the Mavericks Uh, and so I'm really interested to see that instead of like oh how did they how did they let Igor go because I think there's ways that the Mavericks offense can get better um, next year for sure so all right so much news, but let's get into our draft profiles. We love doing these every single year. We go over um, 
just the, it will give you an overview of the player. We'll give you their strengths, their weaknesses. We'll talk about the availability. Could the Mavericks actually draft them? We'll talk about the ceiling, the floor. We'll give a comp for these players. We'll talk about the role and the fit on the Mavericks. And then we'll give you the why the Mavericks should take them and why they shouldn't take them at the end. So let's start with Christian Coloco, the seven foot center from Arizona. He was a three year player at Arizona, is uh, coming out as a junior. He's 22 years old at the draft. Like I said, he's seven feet tall. He has a seven foot five wingspan, nine foot five standing reach. That wingspan, seven foot five, is the second highest, second longest that they uh, they recorded at the combine. Nine foot five standing reach was the third uh, highest that they recorded at the combine. He's two hundred and twenty one pounds, which is a big deal. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the one sentence from the from the ringer said he's a Cameroonian big man who emerged this year as one of the one of college's best rim protectors and finishers, though he must get stronger to excel in the NBA. His strengths, he's a great finisher, roller. He grabbed a ton of dunks in alley-oops in college. He has good hands. Uh, he's a pretty decent offensive rebounder. I wouldn't say great offensive rebounder, but he is going to get offensive rebounds just because of the standing reach and how you know how tall he is in the position he can get. Uh, and he has a pretty decent-looking jumper on, on offense. Like He hit mm-hmm. 72% of his free throws his last year at um, – his last year at Arizona, his, he hit a couple of like free throw line jumpers, and the jumper just looks pretty solid. On defense, he was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He was all-defensive team. He's a really good, great shot blocker and help defense. He's also mobile. This is huge for us and for the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Mobile, he, can, he switched on to guards a lot. He did really well in college in the drop as well. And then he's added 15 pounds since his freshman year. That's a huge thing. He's 221 pounds now. Uh, that's the big thing for him is can he get can he bulk up and stick with guys in the post? Uh, but he became a better post defender. And a uh, couple of weaknesses. I mean, the weaknesses just stand out with him. Raw, he's a prospect. He only started playing basketball at age 15, so it's only been like seven years for him that he's been actually playing real organized basketball coming over from Cameroon. And uh, he said himself, like, I haven't been playing basketball that long. Like, I played a couple times before that, but really when I was 15, I was when I really started. And then he kind of developed in college. So he's not like this really experienced player, even though he's a three-year player coming out of college. He played only like 200 minutes his first year, 450 minutes his second year. And then finally his junior year is when he really came on strong and played like over 900 minutes in college. And so just the, the rawness of him and trying to figure out exactly how he'll fit in the NBA. Uh, but those are his strengths and his weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you know, you said it, you know, I was going to add there that, um, or not really add, but build him on the, he's still developing, right? Like he, you know, he's a seven footer that, like you said, he started off playing soccer in Cameroon and he's a big soccer guy, uh, watching, you know, some videos of him just doing interviews and stuff with Arizona and just, I mean, seeing some footage of him playing soccer, it's like, dude, you don't see many seven footers that can, you know, uh, dribble a basketball or a soccer ball like that. Yeah, but and, you know who did that is Joel Embiid and, and Akeem yeah. Olajuwon, right? Like those guys came over and had the soccer footwork skills first, and that works really well for guys in the next level. Yeah, so you know, like you said, he's a seven footer, and he plays the style of what he could be as a center is. When you start looking at NBA comps, you start looking at what he could be in the NBA. Like what he's good at is something is exactly kind of what Dallas defines their bigs as. And, you know, even it's wild because he's a good rim roller. 
He's he has good numbers with that points per possession, Arizona, all this stuff, but he didn't really do it a ton at Arizona. Like when you look at his breakdown of offensive possessions on synergy, post up was 29%, almost 30% of his offensive possessions were post ups. Dang. And he had now he's not going to come into the league and be a po- you know, post up guy. Like Dallas is going to run freaking plays for him in the post, but we've also seen whenever you don't have touch around the basket, how it does hinder you. Rudy Gobert, you know, if you can't do any type of like little jump hook or something like that, and like he, he has that, like he can, he has touch around the basket. Coloco does. So, but pick as the role man in a pick and roll, it was only 15%, 16% of his offense possessions last year. He only had 63 Dang. possessions in which he was the role man in that pick and roll. Now he was really good at it. So when you look at centers, when I'm looking at centers in this draft, that if Dallas does choose to go big at the 26 pick where they move around if they do take a guy and they take a big, it's most likely going to be a guy who can play in the pick and roll with Luca or do the pick and roll with Jalen Brunson in the second unit or something like that. And Coloco is one of those dudes that he can play. He has the size. He can protect the paint. Like you said, he can switch out on the perimeter. Like you said, and he can also roll to the basket weaknesses. Like you were saying though, he's just not a pick and pop guy. He's not going to shoot the three. It's now you watch yet. Not yes. Yet. Now he is a clutch client and I watched a little bit of his, you know, anytime you watch a pre-draft workout, and you're like, all right, let's go. They had him doing, you know, pick and pops. He was shooting, you know, pretty far out threes at the clutch pro day and all of that. And did it, did so, it look uh, like Willie Colley Stein's pick and pops and his, his threes? <laughs> it wasn't for Instagram. No, it actually was. But, uh, but no, that, that's his thing. It's like, you're not giving it to him. You know, he, he doesn't really handle the ball that well. He's still raw, still developing that. But what you're asking of your center guy, what Dallas would ask from, you know, the five spot is can you set a pick and roll to the basket can you do a little short roll if you do get around the basket can you you know at least have some touch can you protect the paint can you switch he can do all those things yeah that's that's basically like rim rolling center that can also defend the rim really well defend in space like that's that's sort of his whole thing and so coming up let's talk about is he going to be available for the mavericks and we'll talk about why the Mavs should take him and why they shouldn't take him. What are the downsides to taking a guy like Christian Coloco? And then we'll get into Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Really, really interesting prospect that I just think has has a, a chance to be a really, really good player in the NBA or maybe one that doesn't make the NBA. So we'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me... <laughs> Dang it. Let me, let me go to break. <laughs> oh. I remember my first pod. Nailed. Nailed that. Right? It's, it's the ones when we don't have a read. It's, <laughs> it's the ones when we don't have a read that really throw me out. All right, Isaac. Let's get into um, the rest of Christian Coloco. We're talking about the big man from Arizona, his draft profile. Um, availability. What we do when we do availability is I'll go through Rafael's big board from, from Lockdown NBA big board. I'll go for the, the ringers. Big board, ESPN's big board with Jonathan Gavoni, uh, and then the Athletic with Sam Sam Bassini. We think that I think those are four guys that I really respect when it comes to the draft. Raphael had him at 27 on his big board. The Ringer had him 28th in their latest mock. Um, ESPN in their mock, which came right after the lottery, they had him 42nd to the Knicks. So he's got a big big range here, and then the Athletic. Sam Vecini had him at 34 to OKC, so a big range for Christian Coloco, but he should be there for the Mavericks at 26 if they want to get him. Um, the ceiling and the floor for him. I could see him as an all-defensive team player, like get to a point where he's bulked up a little bit more, 
He's ready to take take the pounding down low, and he's just blocking everything in sight. And he can also step out. Like I can see, I mean, Robert Williams just made an all defensive team. I could see Christian Coloco if he hits and makes it in the NBA. I could see him on an all defensive team. Uh, the floor for him, I could see him out of the league. Like if he just can't add enough, if he's you know, if it, if the length and stuff just isn't enough, sometimes that just doesn't. That's just, that the tools sometimes aren't enough for NBA players, and you have to have a little bit more. And if he doesn't have that, then I could see him out of the league. Yeah, I just want to see how he develops. I think the shot means so much because if you can't, you know, shoot a little bit, if you can't be, do the pick and pop, if you can't be Brook Lopez, like I wrote down, I was trying to, you know, we always do like comps and, you know, the fun stuff, a draft, yeah. you know, scouting or whatever it is. And I, I put Brook Lopez if you broke his shooting hand. And <laughs> <laughs> because like a lot of, he's not just a rim roller in the sense of, you know, Capella or Rob Williams. Like I wrote their names down, but. They're not doing jump hooks over their right shoulder either or their left so- shoulder. Brook Lopez can, but Coloco can't shoot a three like Brook Lopez either. So it's kind of this in between of like, hey, you can run to the, you know, run to the basket. He can defend the paint, but he also has some touch too in the post that he's probably not going to utilize a ton. So that's like Serge Ibaka is another name too, where like, could he be in a Ibaka a little bit taller? Yeah. Uh, Serge Ibaka in that, like you That's said, he has one. seven, seven, five wingspan. The only other guy at the combine was Mark Williams who had a you know, longer wingspan in that. But I mean, as far as his fit on the, in the rotation, like Dallas, if they're going to add a big, you know, is he, I don't know if you're walking in next season saying, Hey, Christian Coloco is our answer. You know, that, that exit interview we did, how we needed a guy down low. We just drafted Coloco. I think he would be fun to add to the rotation as far as like a, a bullpen rotation to the center thing and see how he develops because I think he is kind of raw. I think he has a high upside of could he be a Clint Capella one day? I think he could. Yeah, my my whole why the Mavs should take him is you bet on the tools. Like you bet on all the tools that he has to translate in the NBA, a mobile rim rolling center that can defend well at the rim at a pretty elite level and then defend in space as well. But my reason why the Mavs shouldn't take him is too raw and too projecty. Like he's just too much yeah. of a project for the Mavs to wait two, three, four years for him to really become the NBA player that they want and then excel on defense. That's what they need. They need somebody to excel on defense right now. And if he, and I don't know if, if the Mavs want to wait on that. If they don't want to wait on that, then I wouldn't take Christian Coloco right now, right? Because I think it might it might take a little bit. Uh, but with any of these players, you're going to have to wait. Like even Chet Holmgren, you're going to have to wait for him to try and figure it out in the NBA probably for, you know, a, a, at least a year or two to try yeah. and bulk up or to get in the right shape and all that. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a really fascinating thing with him. Cause if, if and, Arizona uh, didn't use him the right way, like I was talking to um, Richard Mavs draft was on the show la- last week and he said, yeah, I don't know if Arizona used him the right way. And I don't know if uh, Sean Miller, the coach at Arizona was, was great for him. And so if that's the case and the Mavs see him and the, they can watch more of the film than I could and say, oh, we can use this guy in the right way. And he's ready. He's got the instincts and the tools right now to be really impactful in our defense in the NBA. Then, I mean, maybe they know more about that than I do at this point. But for me, he's just a little too raw. Well, well if you're a big and you can, you're great at rolling to the rim and doing the pick and roll, then you want to go play with Luka Doncic. Like you're for seeing sure. what Dwight, I mean, we've joked about free agents wanting to do that or other players in the league, but like, if you're a big in the draft class saying, I'm better than Dwight Powell, <laughs> like, and it's like, put, put me in that role, put, give me more than 16% of my offensive possessions as the role man in the pick <laughs> yeah. and roll playing with Luka Doncic. Then yeah, I think Luka could bring the best out of him. I think my question is why they shouldn't is 
whoever they draft, if they draft somebody, I want them to be able to play in the playoffs. Like they, like moving forward, I want them to have some type of role. And your question is, if you're going to take a big, which I feel like you should swing for wings, but if you're going to take a big, I want you to be confident that he can log some minutes off the bench for you in the playoffs. I just don't know. I don't know if I'm like really confident saying, Hey, Coloco's giving me, you know, 12 to you know 15 minutes off the bench in year one. He's not giving me Brandon Clark vibes. We're like, oh, that guy can come out and play like right away, you know? Yeah, but I like him. I don't want to, I don't want to seem like, hey, we're kind of like, oh, I don't know. He well, just kind of. Just because we ended yeah. on why the Mavs shouldn't take him, right? The reason why they should is bet on the tools, bet on all that stuff. Like if yeah. he hits, if, if he hits, this is the perfect center for the Mavericks. Right, they they want a guy that can roll to the rim really well, that can finish really well, that is flirting with a jumper and can hit some like mid range stuff, and is not going to be terrible on the free throw line, and yeah. he can also you know get to a point where he's elite defensively in space and at the rim, right? Like though that's the reason why. Yeah. And if if you want to bet on that, then you take a guy like this, and I think he probably has that more than I mean, Mark Williams is probably the best one, and then Chet obviously it's like. Chet, Mark Williams, and then Christian Coloco probably in this draft yeah. as guys that you would take that fit that profile. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Would, yeah, yeah. Is there anybody else? Um, um Jalen, you know, uh, yeah. from, so, from Memphis there. So th- that's Christian Coloco. Let's get into Jalen Williams. This is our our profile of Jalen with a Y. Um 6'10 from Arkansas. He's uh he has a nine foot standing reach for six. I'm at Jalen Duran. Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. As far um, as another big I, I, <laughs> I, I transitioned using Jalen's name. <laughs> but yeah, Jalen. Like, Jalen. So Jalen <laughs> There's three there's so, there's, there's so many Jalens. There's four or five Jalens on this draft. Jalen Jalen Williams from Arkansas, six foot ten, nine foot standing reach. He's listed at two hundred and thirty six pounds at the draft profile. He was listed at two hundred and forty five pounds during the season. So that's interesting to look at when we talk about something later. Uh, he had a seven foot one wingspan. He's going to be 20 years old at the draft, or he's going to be 19, but he'll turn 21 on June 29th. He went to Arkansas. The one sentence I got from, uh, I think it was actually NBA.com. They had Synergy do a bunch of draft profiles for them. And the one sentence from them was smart, big man who has nice size and is making strides as a jump shooter, but did much of his best work at Arkansas, showing off his feel for the game while threading passes to teammates and drawing charges. Huge. Drawing charges is probably his biggest strength. Isaac, how many charges did he have last year at Arkansas? 54. I watched all of them yesterday. (laughs) He had 54 charges in college basketball in one season. Guess who had the most charges in the NBA last year? I don't know, Nick. Who did? Kevin Love and Blake Griffin had 26. Kevin Love played 74 games. He had 26 charges. Derek White played 75 games. He had 25 charges. Our guy Jalen Brunson in 79 games in the regular season had 17 charges. And that was like, what is that? Top 10. Yeah. It's like 10th in the NBA last year. So that is an elite skill for Jalen Williams is drawing charges. Um, but others, other skills for him uh, and, and the strengths on offense. He was all sec. He was one of nine players to be named first team, all sec. He's got a jumper. He at least has one. He relies on it a little bit too much. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, he seems like a guy that's like a perfect release valve for like a zone or a trap in college. He's a pretty good athlete, fluid. He can dribble the ball really well. I think Rafael in, in his profile said he has great ball handling skills for a big man. Uh, he's a pretty good roller. He can pick and pop a little bit. But the great passing, like he can just make some. Mm-hmm. He threw a couple. Like one time he got trapped on the left wing. I saw him. And he threw that Luca behind the back pass, bounce pass into the paint to a guy that was cutting. And you're just like, 
This is a 6'10 like center that that is doing this. That isn't that you're not asking to handle the ball too much. So for him to be able to do that is just next level. Uh, on defense, he was all SEC defense. He was one of five players to be named that, which, by the way, I, I didn't realize that there was nine players on all SEC first team, but they only do five players on the defensive team, and they only do one defensive team, and they do three all SEC teams. It's like three SEC, three all SEC teams of nine players is like all the SEC. <laughs> what are we doing kind of, at this yeah. point? But anyway, on defense, He's a good rim protector. Uh, he's a really, really good rebounder. And he's a mobile big that can defend in space. He's got really good timing, obviously, with the charges. Uh, and he only allowed 0.82 points per, per post-up possession in college, which is not incredible, but still a pretty good number. Uh, any Anything else you want to add to his strengths? Um, I love this guy. He's one of my favorite bigs uh, in this you know bottom half of the draft. So interesting. Um, I would personally take him over Coloco. Um, I think so. <laughs> I watched all the charges and I couldn't help just to laugh. Like, because I was laughing watching it saying, dude, I would hate this guy if I played against yeah. him, but he's so dang smart. You said Phil for the game. I literally, I, I was watching too much of this guy because, <laughs> and I'd put in all caps, his feel for the game, dude, it like he knows how to play basketball. And I know that sounds yeah. like really dumb and cliche, but he really does. And especially when we're looking at two guys and like Coloco and so Jalen yeah. and it's like, you could tell who's been playing basketball for so long. I also read this article to where talking about his uh, charges because it's like a legit thing of how he draws so many charges. And uh, he said he started learning in first grade how to draw charges. I'm like, wow. Um, I, one of the things I really <laughs> liked was uh, Eric Musselman, uh, the Arkansas uh, coach. He says he's uh, he's their best talker on defense. Yeah. And, you know, this is an Arkansas team that made a deep run in the NCAA tournament that beat Gonzaga. Uh, you know, with, you know, Chet and those guys, and he had a big time game. If you want to see one play that would get you super hype, see him absolutely poster Palo. It was <laughs> unbelievable. In that next round, they lost to Duke, but he put Van Carroll on a uh, nasty po poster. But uh, he had 10, 10.5, uh, 10.5 inch hand width at the combine. It was the second, it was the, um, it was one of the biggest at the combine, seven one wingspan. We love when guys are 6'9, 6'10, 6'11 with a bigger wingspan. Yep. Um, I just, I love his passing. I love his energy and passion. He played one, one day at the combine and then he set out the next day. There's, you know, rumblings that he got a first end of, you know, the first round promise of that didn't play again. Didn't see the floor. I think when you start looking at ceiling floor for him, I saw the, uh, the no ceilings, uh, guys, they threw out a comp and I was like, cause I was trying to find what a comp I was like, all right, he's like a center version of Brunson in, in a way. <laughs> it's like, is, Brun yeah. it's like center version of Brunson, Dewan Blair, uh, a lesser athletic bam, because he can switch, you know, he yeah, plays right. some defense, but then they threw out Anderson Vergeau and I'm like, wow. oh my gosh, that's, that's an incredible really comp. I just, I love, I love that comp for him the and. The comp that he threw out himself, I was watching it on NBA.com. They had an interview with him, uh, and I love the like when sometimes you listen to interviews with guys, you're like bored, you're like ah, not really getting a lot. When I listened yeah. to an interview with him, you can you could tell like immediately I was like, oh, he's really smart. He was a talker. He leadership. He like felt a really he felt like responsibility to those guys at Arkansas. He really wanted to step up as a leader that year. You could tell in like all the clips that he was they, they were playing, and uh, his comp for himself was Al Horford. He said, Al Horford mm. is, you know, who I compare myself to. He said, he said, humbly, I'll compare myself to Al Horford, to Al Horford which, <laughs> which I appreciate it. But you can kind of see that, like a dynamic guy. And I would compare him to old Al Horford, not young Al Horford, because he doesn't have the athleticism yeah. of like a younger Al Horford. But old Al Horford now, 
the way that he plays, I could see that. The passing, he can rim protect and it kind of throws you off. You're like, oh, how can that guy rim protect when it doesn't look like he has either the tools or the size to get there? Uh, he still does it because he's just really smart. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, a couple weaknesses. I didn't really get into that earlier, but he said himself on it on that interview is that I'm not the most athletic person. No. He was asked, "What's fair criticism?" Is that Brunson? Did said. he say that? No, right. Um, he lacks elite length and lateral quickness that's going to limit him defensively. And then he settles for jumpers a ton, uh, and he has got really inconsistent shooting touch. Like the shooting and the jumper is there. Like you can see it in his makes. You're like, okay, that guy can hit jumpers and can hit three point mm. three point shot, but he only shot twenty four percent from three uh his sophomore year which is his last year he's only two years at arkansas and uh so yeah that, that i think that's a, a huge weakness it's it's the athleticism and that yeah. jumper if both of those were if both of those were like elite he would be probably a, i don't know he'd be higher at the draft maybe like top hey. five prospect because he just has so much else in his game and he's not the like the biggest like lob threat in the world i mean no. definitely catch a lob but it's not like you know coloco with a seven five yeah. wingspan that catching lobs and i think if skipping you know down to why why dallas does not draft him why a team doesn't draft him there in the late first round or something it's you looking at it saying and I, I feel like some of our listeners might be saying all right so you said coloco is really good at catching lobs yep. at protecting the paint yep. and doing like these three to four things that are like really good but why do you love Jalen Williams so much? And like this is where eye test comes into it too. Of like yeah. when you watch this dude, he just makes the right plays. He knows how to play basketball. And it's like I think you know. So why not? Is because well, what's his elite skill? And it's like all right, well, he's not like protecting the paint. He's not, he's not elite at this, but he's dang good at everything. And that's the thing. And he he talks. He's like he seems like the best teammate. And so in my question while I go is like, can this guy play in a playoff series? Yes. I think he can play day one in the playoffs right now. Mm. And I love this guy. He's he's one of my favorite. If we had to do rank some guys there in this in this range, then we're going to do plenty more profiles. But when it comes to bigs, if Dallas goes the big route, I would be thrilled if Jalen Williams is a map. My why the Mavs should take him and shouldn't take him, kind of the same as Isaacs. But the Mavericks should take Jalen Williams if they're betting on the skill and intelligence and the jumper to be real and to find a really unique big man that can play in the playoffs right now, which is exactly what you said. And we don't yeah. talk, we don't talk about this stuff before we get on. So yeah, he could play in the playoffs right now. Like you could see him, that stuff translate why they wouldn't though. It's all of, it's kind of all the things you said. He's too slow to be a mobile big man. He's too small to be a defensive big and he's too inconsistent at shooting to be a stretch big. So like, okay, what box does he fit in? You have to, he has to try to like make his own box where he's like a Al Horford Draymond type on offense and yeah. then defensively, he's sort of like a, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have many, many guys like this in the NBA, but, but yeah, it's, it, it's those things too small. To Angle be. angles defensively. Yes. Unbelievable. That's the like charges. I was just ner- nerding out and watching like his angles and being able to read passes and steals and the charges thing. Like, it's funny, like watching like, dude, this would be so annoying, <laughs> but like there's people breaking down his game legit saying like, this is part of his rim protection because it throws guys off so much because he's so good at taking charges that it's like oh do i go up do it because he's going to take the charge but he's also 610 he can protect the rim some too so it's just he's a brilliant player high iq love it incredible so that's Jalen williams from arkansas there's another Jalen williams there's a bunch of other draft profiles we'll do as we go on guys thanks so much for listening to lock on maps boom